0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week and another episode of Unscripted, where we bring you professionals from all walks of life. We touch on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition. As always, I'm your host, Akeem Haynes. Now, before we get into this week's episode of the show, please do us a huge favor. Head to Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Chartable.com, or even Spotify, and leave a rating and review. Seriously, seriously. This small act goes a long way in moving the podcast forward. I've been seeing a bunch of you have taken the time to do it. I truly appreciate it. It really means the world to us. This week on the show, he's he's a motivational speaker. He's an author. He's the host of the podcast, The Purpose Spot. He's a former Marine. Alan Levi Simmons joins me on the show. We had an incredible conversation, man. Uh, we touch on so many different things from life to business to the Marines to relationships to so many different things. Alan's story of transformation is an incredible story that you will hear as the conversation goes. You know, there's certain stories and certain things that, you know, we need to hear to truly remind us that like, man life is truly about perspective. And for me, part of the reason why I started the show is to be able to give that different perspective and to give that perspective that will help someone get through what they're going through. Alan is originally from Somerville, South Carolina. Shout out to everybody listening to the pod over there in South Carolina, a United States Marine Corps combat veteran who was deployed to Baghdad, Iraq and Afghanistan. After war, Alan wrestled with PTSD from a traumatic brain injury he sustained in Afghanistan from a rocket propelled grenade blast. He battled depression and suicide as he forged his path of purpose and inspired hope in those around him. 2020, he, he was a graduate from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte with a bachelor's in electrical engineering technology. After graduating from there, Alan obtained a role with one of the leading technology companies in the world, IBM. Alan published his first collection of poems entitled, "Cannot Speak? His book tells stories from the lives of characters who face different adversities. As a dynamic motivational speaker and coach, Alan has inspired teachers, elementary through college students, professionals, churches, and entrepreneurs. His motto has moved the hearts of those who desire motivation as they journey through life. It is a lifestyle and a mindset, and he is an embodiment of these words that he lives by. Never stop, never quit, and repeat. He continues to use his podcast to inspire and to educate his listeners into their purposeful life. This is going to be an episode that you will truly enjoy. As I said at the beginning, it's going to be a little bit heavy, uh, but his story of transformation is an incredible one. And I got a lot from it, and I believe that you will too. So let me stop rambling, and let's get into this week's episode of the podcast with Alan Levi Simmons. (laughs) What's going on, man? You can hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on? Akeem. How uh, you doing? I can't complain on my end, man. What's going on your end, man? It's been a it's been a long day for you, busy day for you.
1: Man, it's been it's been a long day. I just had some food finally. You know, we got the newborn, so it's uh, you know, she eats first.
0: <laughs> man, uh one of my later questions is 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 talking about the newborn, man. But before we even get started, what's that been like?
1: Oh, it's been, it's been an experience, man. Like, you know, like I have never been a parent before, (laughs) but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool because you're learning about yourself and then you're also, I can see myself inside in my daughter. Like I look at her face and I see the younger me, like little Alan inside of her. So it's pretty dope. It's been, it's been a blessing, you know?
0: Cool, man. Well, bro, I appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. We're gonna actually touch on that a little bit later. Okay. As well, too, man. But first and foremost, bro, again, man, thanks for coming on. Um, my first question, man. I'm 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 very big on gratitude, man. I believe if we can focus more on the good things that are in our lives, it's hard really mm. to start from a negative standpoint, man. So I'm gonna ask you today, Alan Man, give me three things you're grateful for today.
1: Well, the first thing would be my wife. Uh, I am thankful for my wife. She's been the reason why I am the way I am today. Uh, she's the reason why I went back to college. She's the reason why I I took on that never stop, never quit repeat mentality. Um, Mm. the second is my daughter, uh, Lola. She's, uh, she's about to be three months soon and she's already given me so much hope about my future as far as my, uh, my legacy, you know, Mm. I'm, I'm satisfied with where I am and I'm, looking forward to what's coming you know to who I will be and to what she will get to experience as a, as a daughter and me as a father uh and then the third thing is my life I'm just thankful to be alive I'm thankful to have air in my lungs and blood pumping through my body and the ability to move and walk without needing help so I'm just thankful for that
0: hey man you just set the tone for how this conversation <laughs> is about to be today man um in order to understand the person, right? I like to go back to the backstory, right? Because if we can mm-hmm. understand how a person was brought up, you ever heard someone say, man, how is this person like this? How are they acting like this? Well, chances are, if you go all the way back, you kind of get an understanding of how the person are today, man. But so we got to yeah. go back to Somerville, South Carolina, man. As as I was doing my stuff, you know, getting my stuff in order, I understood that your grandmother played a big part in your life, mm-hmm. man. Um, walk me through a little bit of, of your upbringing for you, man.
1: Yeah, I like how you asked that, because when you said like, we got to go back, we got to go back. I literally like the first person that came up in my mind was my grandmother. Um, Like whenever I think about the past, whenever I smell cinnamon rolls or when I smell bacon (laughs) in the morning or, you know, like when I smell breakfast being ready, I think about my grandmother. Um, when I when I look at the fishings and and boats and vans and, and stuff, it just brings back those memories because my grandmother was a hands-on woman. Yeah. You know, um, she was one of those old Southern women, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, one of those ladies that's that's gonna work in her uh, nightgown, you know. Um <laughs> but um but yeah, man. So I I you know, I'm from Somerville, South Carolina, it's near Charleston. And my grandmother was pretty much a, a, a huge mother figure to me because my dad and my mom weren't married uh, you know and my mom left when I was younger I was probably like four when my mom and my dad split but uh, I stayed with my grandmother and my dad you know and um, and my grandfather you know and I was around all my cousins so she gave me that foundation of uh, love family and uh, my spiritual walk as a Christian um she really was the foundation for that
0: man grandmother's love is special um it's warm it's caring strict at times as you know and 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 but the tongue and the prayer of a grandmother is always strong um mm-hmm. but there's nothing like the love that a son has for their mother and a daughter for their father what did that do for you mentally man when when your mom wasn't really in the picture like that man it, it, did you feel and this will sound like one of those oxymoron questions because it's like your grandmother's there, the love is there, but mm-hmm. not fully your mother. Did you feel loved?
1: Yeah. And I, I know what you mean by that. It's like, I know you I know you're getting love from a mother figure, but did you feel that love? You know, I I for me, my mom <laughs> played a huge part on who I was as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, as a young boy and to a man, a womanizer, you know, um, just never seen the value in Black women. I didn't know I was going to marry a Black woman, honestly. Like, I I, I literally was like, oh, I hate Black women, and they're, mm. they're just irresponsible. I never really understood why I had that mentality yeah. until I was, like, 21. And I was like, wow. I was like, my mom is the reason why I feel this way. Mm. Um, you know, and I had to go through uh, some growing pain, and I asked her to write me a letter because she's still alive. She's I haven't seen her since I was a kid, like a teenager. I haven't seen her since I was probably like 13. I'm 33. Um, But, you know, we text here and there. uh, And I told her to write me a letter. And she wrote me a letter about what happened to her as a kid, you know, and how her mother moved to New York. She didn't get to have an education. She had to work at an early age. So it's just like you learn all those things. And uh, I could see that I was missing that her as a mother. But... I have a lot of women and a stepmother who have played a part in that role. So like you get 10 people playing that role of mother and it's actually, it's better for me. Um, but it's also good for me to heal, you know, so.
0: Man, that's such a great way how to think about it, man. Uh, uh, that I'm sure reading that letter must've been a lot of different things, a lot of different emotions, you know, but like I always tell people all the time, man, I'm like, man, you gotta be able to understand the history of why certain cycles are repeated Mm-hmm. And only when you can acknowledge the history, can you be the one to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do something differently, man. My next question, man, Um, I'm going to read something to you and then and then we can kind of go ahead and tap into man. This is something that mm-hmm. one of your teachers said about you. Okay. So now we're talking about, you know, the young adolescent. Alan, we're kind of in the midst of high school in a sense. Right. Your teacher said. Mm-hmm. um. I knew he was going to find his path. It was never going to be scripted because he was writing it as he was doing it because he always did it his way. Uh, Mm -hmm. She she knew that teaching you um, in high school. So during high school, man, what what things were you trying to figure out in life and about yourself Mm -hmm. at that time?
1: Yeah. You know, the awesome thing about that is, is that I wasn't the, purposeful guy that I am right now I wasn't like motivating inspired I was the loving like I get along with everybody you know Alan loves the ladies that's all they knew and then Alan was playing football Alan was running track Alan was wrestling I was going out there getting it and then I also um was connected with my like when I say mothers like my teachers a lot of those women I would call Ma, Hey Ma, I went to church with some I hung out with some like it was in that relationship continued there on so just in high school, I was in a place where I was trying to figure out who I was. I did not know what I wanted to do after graduating. So it was, it was crazy that, that people saw what they saw in me. And I, and yeah. I, I hear it from a lot of other people, they see this greatness inside of you. And when you're having an identity crisis, because you don't know who you are, your past, you don't know who you are, so you have an identity crisis. So when people tell you what they see in you, you can't even believe it. So now I stand here on this side after going through what I've been through with the military, after going through college, dropping out and all that other stuff, like I can say like, wow, they saw it in me and it is in me, you know, so it's it's pretty powerful.
0: Man, we gotta go back a little bit, man. You said you're talking, you know, you're playing, bring a little track and field. Hey, man, that's that used to be my thing, man. <laughs> you know, my thing. Were, were you Four hundred hurdles. Oh, oh, oh he was a different cat. He was a different yeah, cat. Yeah, I'm
1: man. a different cat. I'm a different cat. I'm hitting. I'm falling on the ground hitting hurdles. Trail leg, terrible. You know, but I did four hundred. Uh, I, I ran a um, I ran a four hundred. I couldn't do the one one hundred hurdles because uh, I wasn't fast enough for that. I wasn't like a speech, I was just the guy that was in sports to just because I was naturally good. Like I was just naturally good, but I wasn't the best. And um, that thing is haunting me now is because I'm just good at a lot of stuff, but I'm not the best. And that's where at age 33, I want to be. But we'll talk about that later if you want. But um, yeah. but yeah,
0: man. So So, you know, your teachers were saying all these things and maybe you couldn't understand at that moment. You know, usually a lot of times Certain things are foreshadowed until we mm-hmm. until we're cognizant enough to understand, OK, that's kind of what they meant. But when you were going home, man, your grandmother and your father was there, man, what what, what were some of those conversations like with them? Just trying to figure man. it out at that point.
1: So so just at that point, yeah. like when I was with my so my grandmother had passed in 2001.
0: Oh, man. Uh,
1: like so 9-11, my grandfather passed, grandmother passed, like all of that happened in, the, in that, that span of the early 2000s. Um, so in high school, you know, I have my dad, my stepmom, my sister, my older sister and my family, we're different. You know, like when you, you see people sitting down and father, son having to talk and mom is talking to the son, like my, my family, it was the Southern, like we live in, in the dirt roads and like, you know what I mean? So I come from a different background. So the people that the person that people see now um, I would have never thought that I would be this guy because of where I come from. You know, dad's a truck driver, army veteran. Mom works in the uh, record center at a, a hospital. You know, uncle's truck drivers, granddad. He he worked with his hands on a farm. Grandmother, Bible, church, prayer meeting. You know, like, it's not that yeah. kind of lifestyle. You know, so you wouldn't say, like, oh, Alan would be an engineer. You know, you would never guess that. But somehow, some way, they saw this greatness, this exponential greatness inside of me just by my personality and who I was, even when I couldn't see it. And 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 it was like that in relationships. People would be like, yo, why are you hanging out with these people? Like, I, it, you're better than that. And I never could see it because I was always the one dragging myself through the mud because of my identity, because of what I've been through. So
0: you just said your army, uh, your dad was an army veteran, man. And yeah. I, know, I know you did two stints in the army, but what, what, yeah. what made you get to that point? Like, how did you get there? What, what made you think that this was a route that you could take? Or did you want to take? Or did you feel like, you know, this was a family oh, yeah. thing to do? How, how, <laughs> how does that process from a young adolescent to say, you know what, I'm going to go in here and dedicate my life?
1: See, you, Akeem, you're going to get it. You're going to get this this weird answer because I did not plan to go in the military. I went in the military because I was supposed to become a father. That's the funniest part. Yeah. That's the, it's, it's funny. And this sense now today when I talk to people about my story and they hear like, oh, Iraq, Afghanistan, they hear RPG explosion, they hear uh, traumatic brain injury. And like they're like, they look at me and they're like, well, why did you do it? And I'm like, well, because I was supposed to be a father. I was gonna to go to school for elementary education and at South Carolina State. And I find out from, you know, when I'm I'm a young dude out here living life. And you know, this girl says she's pregnant. My ex-girlfriend says she was pregnant. She was, but it wasn't my kid. They they lied. They lied mm. and they got me. Uh into the Marine Corps. I went into the Marine Corps because my buddies were going in. It was the right thing to do. I didn't, you know, I, I'm from a good family to where we take, a, I take care of our responsibilities and I was going to step up, you know, I didn't know what that looked like at that time, but I knew I had to do something. So I went in because of that and I owned it, you know, when I, I, I kind of, I was uh meritoriously promoted to corporal, which is really big in Okinawa, Japan. I was promoted within two years to E4. I uh, went on two deployments in my my four years in the Marine Corps. Like it it was crazy to see how great I became inside of the military, even though I wasn't supposed to go into the military.
0: Yeah, man, you know it's one of those things where it's just like you know it's 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 probably that structure, right? That mm-hmm. that you don't really have to be searching for much. This is what this is the mission at Hennesville. We got to do, and you already seemed you probably when you look back now, you're probably able to connect some dots, but like hard work was already yeah. instilled inside of your your mechanics from what you were seeing. Yeah. But man, let's talk about that experience, man. 2008 mm-hmm. was your first tour in Baghdad, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, now <laughs> what was that first experience? Like what was going through mm-hmm. your head Were you just like, wait a minute, did I, am I really about to be over <laughs> here like this?
1: Yeah. That, uh... It's, it's crazy because I always knew my number would be called. I was like, I just have bad luck. I'm going to get in the military because I got somebody <laughs> pregnant, supposedly, and they're going to send me to war. And lo and behold, um, I'm, I'm in Okinawa, Japan. I just got promoted to corporal off of the meritorious board. So it was a big thing. Went against the whole battalion. And myself and a friend of mine got promoted to E4. They asked us, they said, hey, we have this uh uh this this uh, role or opening for E4 for Iraq which one of you guys want to go? And I looked at him and I was like, I'll go because he just got married. And I was like, I'll just go because I'm single, don't have a family. I'll go. Didn't know what that meant. I just knew I was going to go somewhere to Iraq. Yeah. So um, I get to Iraq, man, and I'm working uh, with the joint operations center, which is like a multi-unit. You're working with the British, you're working with the uh, Australian guys, you're working with the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps. And it's like everybody all in one bubble. Um, I was able to experience some great things uh, working there uh, and providing the information that I provided out there. It was really great. But, you know, you had those vehicle explosions in Iraq. It's a different war than Afghanistan. They're blowing themselves up in Iraq. They're blowing up vehicles in Iraq. They're just driving into a crowd of people and boom. Mm-hmm. So, um there was, there was, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, uh, indirect fire, which is like just random rounds hitting your camp, hitting your area, uh, motors, which is a little, little rockets like yes. landing in the area, you know? Um, and it was just, it was chaotic, but it was more controlled because I was in the center in Baghdad and it was in the green zone. So like they were out in town just shooting stuff over, you know, in our area. Um, so Iraq was my my intro my entry uh level course <laughs> to yeah, anyway. uh, to war. You know if I would say that Our, Afghanistan was just a different beast.
0: Man, what what when you came back because and we're going to parlay into 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 uh uh when you went back for your mm-hmm. second tour, man, what what questions were you asking yourself during that time? And 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 did you find those answers during that time or were you just seeking like what were you asking yourself? At that point
1: in time, I was I was not sure if I was going to come back home, <laughs> you know, and it was one of those the reality checks. It's like, all right, you know, you're signing, you're making sure your paperwork squared away with your your life insurance you're making sure that you have your last wishes. You make you, you know, like you're about to go someplace that you're not supposed to come back from. Ideally, like things happen over there. You never know what could happen. Um, so I was just really in the Marine Corps. You learn how to clear your mind from a lot of things and you become a robot just like in and as an athlete you know like you when you when you train you train you train and it's time to perform you shut off everything you could have had a stomach ache earlier you could have had a hurt panky toe earlier it doesn't matter you shut everything off and you focus on the mission and that's what that whole uh deployment was like so it's like being detached from yourself but still operating and that's what you have to be like at war so it's not like I was like man you know when I leave here I am going to start a business like bro I'm telling you like I was like you know when you're living on the edge that's what we did in the Marine Corps like we're, we're we're living as if today was the only day we had you know um so like there's a lot of growth that can be seen in my life from where I was as a young guy in Iraq to where I am now but you know like at that I got this gotta be honest like, at that point in time I wasn't my mind wasn't on coming back to the States. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't filling my head up with that. I was, I sent my parents on a cruise while I was there for the first time ever, like was able to do something like that. I was just worrying about taking care of my family, saving up money and planning for if I don't get back. Mm. So
0: So when you went back the second time, you didn't even really think too much of it. Oh, now the
1: second time was a different story because now I'm, I'm aware of what war is like. Uh, you know, the, the first time was a culture shock, you know, uh, the second time I'm in Marja, Afghanistan attached to EOD, which is the explosive ordinance disposal. They're the guys you go to when you find a bomb. Um, I was with them in Afghanistan and I was in charge of the IED course, which is the improvise or improvised explosive devices. And you pretty much think about anything you could turn into a bomb, a cup. You know, they um, find a way
0: to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like I was in charge of running a course uh, and bringing in all the new people that were coming in uh, overseas and I would take them through this course and teach them how to find bombs. Um, I went I took Lance Armstrong and Robin Williams through the IED course at one point in time, which was cool. Um, But at that time, man, like I. I. I uh, I was going through this thing where I was trying to be accepted Mm. because I was uh, an electrician and I'm with these infantry grunt type guys that are living on the edge all day every day and um, also a minority guy you know like there was there were some things I had to go through in the military while at war you know to be accepted and uh, to, to be treated the same. So it' was, I can get real on those, but we're, you know like in, in those moments, you know um, you never really understand who you are until you're placed in a situation. Uh, like having people send you in different places because they don't like you you know um yeah. you know like you know so it's, it's it's a sticky it's a sticky thing man um but yeah uh i would love to talk about uh just that encounter i had in afghanistan whenever we get to that that moment oh
0: we 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 go in there next okay um, cool Iron man I'm i'm, I'm, I'm <clears throat> reading the story um And I had to sit back as I was reading the story. But for our listeners and for those who are going to be watching, you know, I have to I have to I have to paint the picture in a way where you can answer those missing pieces and those gaps. Um, You're over there. And uh, it it was during a volunteer patrol, from what I read, uh, Mm -hmm. that you were going on. But, man, what 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 really stuck out to me, man, and 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 kind of hit me at my core was the voice that you heard at the corner that ultimately saved your life. So, man, man um, walk me through that 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 volunteer patrol and kind of that moment where kind of like, man, your life kind of shifted a little bit.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so this is my, when I think about my deployment, this is my deployment, even though there's a lot of hell breaking loose the whole time. But uh, so I I was asked, you know, one night, like, hey, Simmons, do you want to go on a patrol with us? And I was like, yeah, for sure, I'll go on a patrol. You know, it's just out in town. Like, we, we were literally, if you think about the desert in Afghanistan, we were literally in the middle of the desert and uh, surrounded by a town. Um, and it was Taliban central. It was known, like, the Taliban is out here, out here, right? And they'll wave at you, right? So, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll go on a patrol. First thing in the morning, we get there, we're getting ready. They're setting up the formation. They're like, all right, we got uh, we're gonna go out on a V formation, which is shaped like a V. And they're like, Simmons, you're at you're at the top. And I was like, You want me at the you want me at the front of the formation? I was like, I'm a black guy, we die first, you know. Like I'm saying stuff like that, right? And and they were like, they were like, no, Simmons, was like, yeah, you're up front. I'm like, in my mind, they thought I was joking, but I was serious. I was like, Y'all gonna put me up hey, front, dog? We seen
0: the movies, we saw the movies, right?
1: <laughs> we know what happens so. I get up front, man, and we're walking out. And when you imagine walking in walking in Afghanistan, there's like this moon dust. If you think about flour, like flour that you cook with, like that's like sinking your foot into that. That's what the, the dust was like walking in the desert. And um, we, we go down this rat trail. We talk to some people. We're telling them like, hey, we're here to protect you guys. If you see anything, let us know. Um, lo and behold, this kid comes out. And he's, he's screaming at us. And the interpreter says, the uh, Taliban placed the IED in the road. And I was like, I'm over here like, oh, shoot. Like, here it is. Here it goes. You know, and I'm looking at the ground. I'm trying to make sure, like, if I, if I see anything out of place. And I'm walking, I'm walking. Get to an intersection. Looking down my rifle scope. And I hear this voice. And he says, look by your foot. And I'm just like, am I? Am I? it was like the voice, I heard it loud loud. Loud as I'm speaking now, and he's like, "Look by your foot. Look by my foot. There's a haystack. He's like, lift the haystack up. So I lift the haystack up, and there's a propane tank with a 12 9 volt batteries and a cell phone strapped on top of it with the wires coming out. And I'm like, holy, you know. And um, lo and behold, we had a radio jammer was able to jam the radio signal from them blowing up that bomb that was by my foot. Yeah. Um and we can go further after you, if you want to ask about anything in that, in that area right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Keep my next question was, so then what happened? Right. Because, (laughs) because the thing is, man, like, uh, uh, because from there you suffered a brain injury, right. But it's like, there are certain stories that you hear, especially when it comes to things over at war, but it's like, man, like what did those next couple days look like? Like what, yeah you were probably in shock that you didn't really know what to think. I'm just assuming I never, I never been through that situation, but walk me through mm-hmm. what that even looked like and, and what happened next, man.
1: Yeah. So, um, after that, you would have thought that would have been the end, but, uh, so I'm, I'm shook. First of all, I felt like a deer in the headlight. That's what came to my mind when I was standing there. I was like a deer in the headlight. Cause I could not move. I was stuck standing next to a bomb. Um, and then my buddy, he was like, Simmons, go over there. You know, so I went over in a ditch. and I'm like shaking, bro. I'm like shaking. My mind's just in a thousand different places right now. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm about to die. I'm going to die. I'm like, you know, I'm just thinking like, it's about yeah. to be it. And the guy comes out to me, one of my other Marines. He's like, hey, Simmons, we have to go clear this house out. And I was like, dude, I don't want to go clear this house out. You go clear it out with somebody else. Like, I'm being like the guy that's not about it today. Go ahead and get that. He's like, no, you have to come. So... We run across the street, we pop some smoke and run through the smoke, get across this field, go into this house. There's a man and his kids playing in some clay. And we're like, stay here, stay here, stay here. We go back outside and I'm standing. So this is in Afghanistan. Now it's like the sun's out, it's hot. And I'm in the middle of a field and there's like some houses to the left and there's a hundred yards down, maybe there's some trees straight ahead, right? And on the right side is the house. And then on the other side is the road where the bomb was. So I see this guy running towards the trees. And I'm following him with my gun, with my rifle, with my scope. And I'm following him, following him, following him. In my mind, like I said, I came like, when you're in, train, you train and then you go into action. You know, you, you go to work. So I wasn't even thinking about, like, I'm about, like, I have my rifle on somebody. I'm not even thinking, like, I'm just doing it right now. Yeah. And um, so my, my buddy was calling in to command. He's like, command, command, possible Taliban, can we engage? Command was like, does he have a weapon? So we went through this whole thing with them. And rules of engagement nowadays is like you really can't just be shooting everybody overseas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they told us to let him go. As soon as we let him go, we started getting gunshots coming. You can see the uh, the muzzle flashes down in the uh in the trees. And then you hear mortars, which is like the little rockets, boof, boof, right? And so I'm seeing bullets fly past me, right? I'm hearing the ground, I'm the dirt flying in my eye. Like it's just all hell is breaking loose. I'm starting shooting. You know, and um so my my buddy, he was like, Simmons, we have to we have to bound back with the rest of the platoon. And in my mind right now, and I'm thinking like, dude, like any move, like. A bullet could hit me at any second like what am i gonna do like i don't know all right so i gotta get up i gotta go so it was just like instantly like training is it's good that i trained because i was i was on autopilot at this point yeah yeah so i get up and i'm running and there's this rpg blast that lands like about six feet in front of me like just you know when you see it in the movies the rpgs yeah they do that and uh it landed right in front of me sends me back flying back my ears. Like I said my poem, my ears were ringing like a smoke detector. My heartbeat singing loudly, slowly fading into a whisper. Like I was going into this sunken place after the explosion. And I remember uh, when the noise stopped, like my ears stopped ringing. I could hear my heartbeat stop. And I remember thinking like, dang, I'm dead. Like literally like that was my, my thought. And I was sitting in this dark room, Indian style. Right. Like just my soul was somewhere else in a dark room Indian style, aware of what just happened to me. And I was like, man, I my parents don't even know I'm dying. You <laughs> yeah. know, like literally that was yeah. my thought. So I'll, I'll, i pause right there.
0: Alan, man. I, there are some things that happened throughout this story. Where was your spiritual walk at during this point? Because when you think <laughs> about it, even when you reflect on it, Mm-hmm. Man, there, there had to have been a hand on you to protect you from everything that you're explaining. It is not by coincidence because Barr, bro, you should you shouldn't be here. You right. know what I'm saying? So 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 what what did you think was protecting you at that moment? Like did you think it was, you know, my training, my training is just on a different level right now. I'm I'm mm-hmm. you know, nothing can hit me. Or did yeah. you think, like, man, like, there's got to be a reason as to why I'm still not, while well, I'm still here?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and I can answer it with certainty. That voice that I heard, I believe, was God in in whatever sense of God that God can be. Like, I can't say it was God, the the big cloud of uh being, but I know it was God, right? Um, and you know, my like I said, my grandmother gave me that foundation of my faith, uh, but at that point in time, I was a young teenager who was baptized before as a young kid I was living my life right I wasn't going to church I wasn't praying every day I was I had already been covered though right um because you know like you said there's power in the tongue of a great praying grandmother right um my grandmother my father my parents they prayed over me and I really did feel that hand over my life when I was bullets literally hitting beside me um the voice speaking to me you know it could have been oh my training my my subconscious speaking but i knew for sure it was spiritual it was something bigger
0: so how did you get out of that how did you get out of that situation what 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 was the thoughts like when you got away and was able mm-hmm. to sit down and to say you know what man what the heck just happened in the past 48 50 hours
1: right i i was really stuck because i i felt dead inside i think uh, i wrote in my blog the other day my own personal blog is that a part of me died that day like I literally felt like something in me died and you know the next day I'm forgetting my my you go outside with your military your cover on I was forgetting my cover inside I forgot my rifle in the tent and I'm, I'm falling asleep in the middle of conversations like narcoleptic and I'm having nightmares and I'm easily startled in my sleep um and those things were happening like immediately afterwards and in the military you know people don't really talk about mental health they don't really say hey Simmons you know um maybe it's time for you to go back you know they just took that as oh Simmons just was well, Simmons was in an RPG blast ha 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 Simmons found an IED and it was just like something laughable so I didn't even think about what was going to happen to me after I got back to the states and after the trauma settled and started to activate. Um so being there, you still got to be on autopilot. But then there was there were those things that were happening to me with my memory, um, with my anxiety that you know was
0: affecting me. Alan, I was having a conversation with my uh, uh fiance's dad one day and uh, mm-hmm. you know we were talking about life um but he was a former Marine. Mm-hmm. And we're talking a little bit about mental health uh, for him growing up and for his brothers. And then um, when he got into the Marine Corps and that whole situation behind it. And, you know, I, I saw my fair sh- things um, when I was at a young age, right? Things that I hope no kid, no kid should ever see, but war yeah. was a little bit different. And as we were talking, he said to me, Akeem, he said, when someone does a tour or sees something um, as tough as war and violence, you know, then when you come back to civilization, they expect you to fit right in, but how can you, you've seen Mm -hmm. too much. How did you deal with that coming back into civilization, Alan, because your whole perspective is a lot different than others. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I'm, I'm assuming you can clarify for me. You were probably bit more anxious than than normal you were probably a little bit more annoyed hesitant probably you know I'm a person that even wherever I go I like to know where the exit is I don't really like too much mm-hmm. things behind me right because right. I like to know if something happens and I can yeah I can, I can be out right yeah. but but I know it was I know it was tough what what walk me through how you got acclimated with civilization with mm-hmm. this new th- Experience that you had that not many people are privy to.
1: Yeah. So thank you for asking these great questions. By the way, Akeem. You're doing a great job. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <appreciate> you, man.
1: <laughs> so I w- I would say that you know when I when I first got out, you know, I had to worry about what was I going to do next because I got back from Afghanistan and immediately I was getting out of out of the Marine Corps. So yeah. it was like there was there was no like oh I just went through this traumatic experience. Oh now, get ready for college. Figure out a way to survive. I'm over here applying for colleges, so like I'm not even able to like sit and mellow in my mess yet, or even focus on what happened to me. Um, I'm over here trying to figure out where I'm about to be. I'm I'm from South Carolina, but I'm in California right now, right? Yeah. So make a bad decision in a relationship. Oh, I, I jump into a relationship just to move all the way to Virginia, but God's plan was something else because I needed to be in Virginia. And the way I got there was through a relationship, which failed because the person was miserable. Um, (laughs) outside of that, you know, and, and, and I noticed something about me at that point in time in my life, I was cowardly living because I didn't want to blow up on anyone.
0: Break that down for me. What is cowardly living, living? Like I was,
1: I, I did not want to access the anger and the rage inside of me. So I let people treat me different ways without responding. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, mm. So in a sense, it was cowardly, but it was smart. But then it was just like, I was not allowing it to trigger me, but it sucked because after a while it built up. It all exploded into this moment of depression. In this moment of feeling suicidal, you know, it it all swelled up for a whole year and a half. And I'm at work in tears because this depression has crept, creeped up on me. Um, I'm searching my apartment home with my my gun. I'm Mm. sleeping with my gun in my hand. I'm searching Mm. my shower behind my shower curtains, under my bed, in my closet. It got so bad. I'm leaving chairs in the middle of the hallway in my apartment because I want to make sure if somebody comes in, you can I tell. know that they, you know, I could tell. So I'm doing these things and it's driving me crazy. It came and One day I went uh, to work, started crying. They called the VA, the veteran uh, hospital, and told them that I would be there. I'm driving towards the VA hospital from Virginia Beach. And it was about a good 35, 40 minute drive. Call one of my marine buddies because I felt like killing myself, you know. um, But I I I don't know where your next question is. But keep going. going, Okay, cool. So (laughs) so I called my buddy who happened to be with me in Japan, and he was overseas in um Afghanistan as well, and he lived in Virginia. So this it was an awesome setup to where I called him. I'm like, man, look, I'm about to kill myself. I'm going to crash this car into a guardrail or to another car. I don't know. I was like, I I can't make it to the hospital. Can you pick me up from my apartment? He's like, Simmons, I'm at work. I was like, bro, I'm going to kill myself. He's like, dang. You know, all right, I'm going to be there. You know, he had to leave work in order to come support me. And, you know, I I was clueless because I never felt like this before. I never felt like killing myself. And, you know, so I go home, light me up a cigarette. I'm right pouring a bottle of liquor. Just like I'm feeling all of this. Thing involved. inside of me that yeah. I can't explain, right? So I'm drinking, I'm smoking. We we drive me, he drives me to the hospital. We don't say a word in the car, I get there. The lady says, What's wrong? The moment she said that, I could feel something break inside of me because I did not know what was wrong with me. <sighs> so, you know, that, that we have that they tell me they're gonna lock me in a room or they can give me some medication. I took the medication. I didn't want to get put in a room. I didn't want them to take my shoestrings on my belt. You know, we, we know what that means, right? Like they want to put you in a room. So I go home, take these pills. I want to say a couple of months pass. I'm taking these pills and I have this deep dark thing come over me again with suicide. And I, it's nighttime, Akeem, and I'm by myself in my apartment. I'm usually surrounded by a lot of people, but this time I'm by myself. I got my pills. I got my alcohol. I got my gun. Yeah. And I'm like, literally like, dang, I feel like killing myself. And like that thought just kept coming to my mind, like all of this anger, all of this anxiety, like it turned into me wanting to end my life because I was like, I have no more purpose. I'm dead. You know, I feel dead inside. So another supernatural night, man, I'm I'm on the on my bed with the pills on my bed, the Bible on my nightstand. My grandmother gave me this Bible that um, I had, I kept with me all the time, put you know, it on my
0: nightstand. Grandmother Bible is like this big. Yeah, yeah, you got the old
1: school Bible, right? <laughs> put it next to my bed, just kept it there, but I never read it or anything. I just kept it there. And here I am with a gun in my mouth that night, and I'm like, all right, I got to do that with the gun because I want to be quick. I don't want to take the pills and like it don't work. And I'm like suffering. So I put the, I'm put i putting a gun in my mouth, bro. And I'm like, never been in this situation. Never thought I would be in this situation. And I literally thought to myself, I said, no one is here to stop me.
0: Mm.
1: You know, like all the people in my life, I had no one to stop me uh, because no one knew what I was going through. And God speaks to me again. <laughs> I swear, bro. God spoke to me, said, who are you to take your own life? when I brought you from the land of your enemy, like, mm-hmm. like if you can hear yourself speak in your mind, but then you hear another yeah. voice. That's what I heard. And I broke down crying that same voice from Afghanistan. I broke down crying and I pawned my gun the next day when I woke up. So
0: man, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's three times the Holy spirit intervened mm-hmm. and planted something inside of your heart. Obviously when you have that moment, um, it, it it still takes work to fully answer and to still kind of believe what the heck was being said. Mm. So, Alan, my right. next question is you, you, you heard this voice again and it led you to a different path, but you're still seeking. So trying to understand at what point did you find purpose for your life? Maybe mm. you don't know what exactly to do with it yet, but you found purpose yeah. to live. Mm. Walk me through that 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 situation when you kind of said, you know what, man, there's a purpose for my life here. I don't know what yeah. yet, but there's got to be something.
1: That's a good question because it, it takes me to, uh, I'm at Old Dominion University uh, going for electrical engineering. Failing out of my mind. <laughs> and, you know, just trying to pay the bills. Though. I was getting the military money going to school, so I was just trying to pay the bills. And um, also try to go crazy doing this engineering stuff and I really believe that I could, but I just wasn't in the right mental space, right? And um, so I, I get a lot of invites to this Bible study. And I'm like, nah, I ain't going to no Bible study. I ain't going to no Bible study. I'm here to party, here to turn up. What y'all talk about? Let's smoke. What y'all talk about, right? So I'm over, that's real life, right? And um, next thing you know, I'm like hanging out. And my boy Aaron hits me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to this cooking at, um, at the school. And I'm like, bro, I ain't going to no cooking. Well, cookouts. So I don't know about no cooking. He's like, bro, come on, man. It's gonna be some from the church there. And I was like, bro, I've been drinking already. He was like, he's like, it's okay, it's cool. I was like, all right, whatever, man. So he, you know, he kept, he was persistent. I, I went with him, I met a couple of uh students, and they were all from Christopher, Christopher Newport University and Hampton University. Um, they were there chilling. And they were having a conversation like me right now, and they asked me about my journey. And they were just sitting there listening to me talk about my journey. And ever since then, I went to this, uh, the prayer night that they were telling me about, and their pastor, uh, he prophesies over the students about their life and tells them stuff that only God knows and stuff, right? So the stuff you see on TV that you'd be like, oh, that's bull. Uh, You know, like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna go check it out, you know, and, um, I went there. I'm watching him. He's praying for people that are crying. I'm like, man, whatever. I go up there. This man, I'm gonna, he's like, close your eyes, lift up your hands. And I'm like, all right, here we go. You know. So like, let's see what the Lord is going to say for you now. All right, young man. He didn't know me at the time. And he's he's like, Man, God is showing me that you've been through some dark times and like the point of killing you, wanting to kill yourself. I'm like, oh
0: my god. how you know that, my man? You <laughs> He was in my room. (laughs) He was in the room. You know, that 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 right there
1: was enough to make me want to live. Um, because it was just solidifying the fact that I knew God was speaking to me. I knew God was present, but I didn't feel like he was present because all of those bad things were happening. And it happens a lot in our lives, like when we feel like God isn't present because bad things are happening, but we are just in the process of living you know, God is already God and we have this world that's already set in place. And it's like every when something set into motion, other things happen, you know, from that motion. And, um, so me finding God there in a sense, I found God there or he found me and I started going on these evangelistic journeys with them. It was some stuff that you, you got a Marine from Afghanistan, Iraq, PTSD blown up. He's out here evangelizing to people, um and not like, oh, come to church thing, but like, I was going out there to pray for people, and it was crazy, because I found purpose there, Akeem, I found purpose praying for people, my passion to see people happy, to see, to hear people say, man, Alan, I felt depressed last night, I wanted to kill myself, I'm like, hey, man, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray this thing through, let's talk about it, you know, and um, so that's where I found my, my purpose in, the, in a sense right there,
0: Ellen, what is a foundational scripture that helps you when you need encouragement or when you need, when your faith may be a little low, it kind of rejuvenates you? Is there a scripture for you uh, that resonates with you?
1: Yeah, my uh, my all-time favorite is the the Jeremiah 2911 one, the four I know the plans that I have, I have for you, it. plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. You know, like that, that speaks to me so much. And then before that, it was like, I formed you in your mother's womb and it makes the relationship with God so much closer because the society makes God seem like this, like uncle, you never get to see. Uh, but, but when he says, I formed you in your mother's womb. And then I, for, I know the plans that I have for you, you know, and those plans are not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. And I was like, well, God, why do I feel like killing myself? And God really had to show me that it wasn't, he didn't put me in Afghanistan. It was my own life's decisions that put me in Afghanistan. I supposedly got a girl pregnant. I was having sex when I was supposed to. You know, like, you know, like there was different yeah. things that got me there, but God is the one who kept me because of the purpose that I've been living now. I feel that it was because, you know, like a lot of people like, well, why didn't he save so and so? I don't know why he didn't save so and so, but I know that the life that I have been living, I've prayed with people at McDonald's, Walmart, I pray with people at buckle when I'm folding jeans and I'm cashing people out and people just come to me and say, Hey, like I've been going through this and God would give me a word for those people. And I just felt so much passion in there. And that's how, that's how I became so vulnerable and so open because I realized that a lot of people are walking around with scars and bullet wounds and gaping holes in their souls. And they're just looking for somebody to say, Hey, can I pray for you?
0: Man, you know it's uh it's that's very well articulated and said, man. Like you know, whenever I go and speak, man, I say, you know what, man? There's a lot of people out here who got, who got. You know, if somebody cuts you, right, you you could physically see the wound, right? Put mm-hmm. a bandaid over it, and now you can't. But you take the bandaid off, and that wound is still there, right? But there's a lot of people who are hurting, but you can't see the bandaid because it's on their heart. You know, mm-hmm. man, it's 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 um. What you just said, going out to praying with people, not necessarily telling them, look, this is what you should do. I'm just here mm-hmm. to hopefully make your day a little bit lighter. The mm-hmm. one thing I love about the scripture so much, man, and you don't have to be a religious person to understand that 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 that, that the Bible is a guideline. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look yeah. at it and you read it, all of those stories are from imperfect people none of those people did every single thing right right they made mistakes but yet they chose to say you know what i'm not perfect lord please give me another opportunity to get it right but this time show me how to go about it right Mm -hmm. alan i want to talk to you about 2016 because if my work and my research is done correctly that was when you married your wife correct Right. At the beginning, you said that, man, you know, she 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 had a big impact in your life with you mm-hmm. helping you finishing school. But, man, um, and it's even funny thinking about this. Right. You went to the Marine Corps, uh, a situation with a girl. Right. Mm-hmm. That led you in there. You moved mm-hmm. back to Virginia, a situation with a girl that led mm-hmm. you there. You had things with your mom that you were still trying to work through, man. Mm-hmm. What made this one work? What made you say, you know, what this may be the person for me because that's a lot of work that you have to do within yourself. Mm-hmm. But in 2016, man, who, who, who was Alan Simmons when she met, when he met this young lady?
1: Man, look, so like we, uh, we met when I was folding jeans at buckle, uh, it's a clothing store <laughs> uh, and she walked by, and I just saw her dress and in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, everything aligned it was like, that's my wife. Like I didn't even see her. Like I saw her dress and like I could feel her presence. I could feel like I was like, that's my wife. And I was like, hey, I like your dress. You know, and um, <laughs> she comes back like a couple of minutes later and she's like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And so I give her my phone number. We talked um, a couple of weeks later. You know, it was different. It was a different connection. Like at that time I was in ministry trying to live life right, trying to do things right, making failures, making mistakes. You know, um, and because you still got you still got childhood trauma, you got uh teenage trauma, you got life trauma. So being able to go through that journey with her and for her to be open to who I was as a like, she wasn't like a Bible thump in person or whatever, right? She wasn't going to church every Sunday. She was trying to get herself right with God, that's what she said, right?
0: <laughs> you know, when you go
1: back and you like everybody trying to get back, I gotta get back right with God. Um, but <laughs> you know, it was awesome because like she was at a place spiritually, like where she was searching and I'm, I'm in the works. Like I'm helping with ministry plant. I I moved down to Charlotte to help plant a church. So I didn't move to Charlotte for a woman, right? I moved down there for a mission and a purpose for God to go help people in Charlotte. So that's how I got to Charlotte from Virginia, which was amazing because I was about to be homeless. (laughs) And, uh, you know, a guy comes up to me at the church and he says, "Alan, uh, God showed me your face when I was praying last night. Do you want to move with us to Charlotte?" That's how I got to Charlotte. Um, so my wife, like, I dated her for about a year and a half. Or a year was engaged for like six months, and then I married her. And I feel like it was the best best decision because it was the best time. Like you talked about, like all those other times, things were happening. I'm not. I'm not even perfect now, but I've matured so much. Um, over the years, at, at that moment in time, I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to do it with. And I had to learn what it meant to be married. I had to learn what it meant to be a husband and to love and to be patient. Um, so she's worked with me a lot. I mean, there's still some chiseling happening.
0: <laughs> hey, man, we all we all fall short of the glory, man. Uh, right. Alan, I got last two questions, man. Um, OK, explain to me what is on your hat and why it's such an important, important thing for you, ma'am?
1: Awesome question. Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> so it's, it reads, never stop, never quit, repeat. And uh, I came up with never stop, never quit, repeat for myself, because I was dropping out of college all the time. I was at, I was at Old Dominion University, Thomas Nelson, Phoenix Online. I was doing so many things and I kept quitting. And I found myself in uh, 2016, around that time, yeah, 2016, I found myself telling my wife, man, I should have went to college, I would have graduated already. I wonder if I could have been an engineer. And she's like, Alan, stop kicking yourself in the butt. Do you have the benefits to go back to school? And like, what does that look like? I actually have benefits and I was able to go back. But then I go back and then I'm on academic probation. I'm about to get put put out of school. So like I was in this place where I was like, I am failing, but I don't want to quit. <laughs> So like I came up with this model, like never stop, never quit, repeat. And then I started doing things like I started doing things with this model. I was like, all right, never stop, never quit, repeat. I'm starting this uh, nonprofit. I got uh, motivational speaking. I'm writing a book. Like I'm going to do everything that I say I'm going to do. I'm going to do it all because of this model. And if this model is right, I will get to where I want to go. So you publish the books, you, you speak at the schools, you, you, uh, have your podcast you interview so many people you're on your i'm on my third seasons for the for the purpose pod this year and it's just like if you don't quit you know if you don't stop and you repeat that process like
0: what'll happen you know what'll
1: happen you're a champ <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: last question Alan man and 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 you can take your time with this one because I I, I feel like I understand what it is but you know I never want to assume anything for anybody you know i rather i rather i rather be quiet and listen than to um <laughs> man you said uh you said somewhere you said um you move on a meant to be path mm-hmm. i want you i want you to explain and break that down for me man because you know in 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 this time in this era a lot of times we feel like man and 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 you know when i go to speak high schools corporate it's all kind of the same thing in some capacity where it's like, man, if you don't have this by this age, you failed. If you haven't accomplished this by this age, if you don't do this, you're not going to be doing that. You're not going to be doing mm-hmm. that. But a lot of times, man, what we think we want isn't necessarily the best thing for us, or at least at that appointed mm-hmm. time, you said you move on a, a meant to be path, man. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Man, you were killing it well i'm talking about
1: okay this is great so <laughs> so my meant to be path man it's simply like like you said we we make all of these deci- we make all of these plans i'm going to virginia i'm going to school i'm going to do this and all of those plans seem to fall apart it's called building your house on the sand right <laughs> yeah. you know it's doing the doing the things that you desire to do versus like the scripture says seek first the kingdom of god and all this righteousness all his righteousness, and he'll give you the the desires of your heart. So, like when you when you start to understand, okay, I literally tried to put this into practice. I said, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So I was like, so really, my plans that I think God has for me doesn't even align with God's plan that He has for me, you know. And then when I go about my Allen plan, those are when. I get more stuff on me than I can bear. He says, I'll never put more on you than you can bear. So when we go in situations that's not God sent, Hmm. we end up going through some traumatic experiences. We end up being in some funky situations. But when you're on a supposed to be meant to be path is where you when you're when you're listening to the wind. When you're listening to your, your your spirit and your soul and when you're listening to the voice of God, when you're when you're letting the Holy Spirit move within your life, and it's not being religious, like I'm I haven't been to church since the pandemic started. I haven't opened my Bible since the pandemic started. I've talked to God since the pandemic started, I've prayed to God since the pandemic started. So I've I've, I've been in a different place to where I'm now understanding, okay, God, you're not you're not pur- you're not purposing me to be in a ministry to build a ministry and to do this, you're purposing me to build a family. I got a, I got a baby now because I wasn't so busy doing other things, right? Yeah. So so being on a meant to be p- path means that we're listening to our purpose in a sense like we're saying yes to the right things. Like being on this interview. I was like, "All right, this is meant to be. Like this is this is destined," right? Um and when you're on a meant to be path, you end up building greater and better connections. Yes. You end up changing lives. Like somebody's going to watch this and then this person was probably going to commit suicide, contemplating suicide. They just lost a family member. They're, they're all alone. They're, they're feeling depressed and down. And they're going to hear this and be like, wow, I'm glad that he did not stick to the, pl- the path and that God was able to perfect his path and use his story. Uh, this last part is is, is is by the word, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb is like Jesus Christ for all those who don't know. Like I said, you don't like we said, you don't have to be religious, but these are things that we use as principles in our life to to grow. Um and then the word of our testimony. The power of a testimony is the power of your voice and what you've been through. So when you learn how to master your testimony mm-hmm. in a sense, right? And you're able to get on the stage and talk about what you've been through and be so naked and vulnerable that those who are hurting, whose wounds are hidden, they'll they'll come out in the light and say, you're talking to me. This is this is where the suicide is right here. This is where the depression is right here because you're you're able to be vulnerable to those people. So being on that 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 meant to be path.
0: Ellen, um, before I close us out, man, it, this is a scripture that has helped me so many times. And whenever I look, whenever I'm listening to your story, man, I'm just like, man, this this I gotta share this with them, man. And it's uh, Galatians six verse nine. Where it mm. says, do not be weary for doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if mm. you don't give up. And that is mm. exactly what you represent, man. And and from me to you, man, there is an, an absolute anointing on your life. Because yeah, when you are put into these positions where you shouldn't be here and you are here, that's not by coincidence. That's God reminding you, look, of the scripture you just said. I have a plan for you. I'm going to Mm. prosper you, but I'm going to put you through some situation for you to be able to walk in prosperity. Um, Mm. As we close us out, man, I want you, I want you to do two things, man. I want you to uh, uh, tell, tell the people the best way to keep in touch with you, uh, to follow you. And then um, I also know you have a, uh, you have your book. Uh, Can I speak? And I know it's some poetry in there. I actually ordered a copy. Um, So, so, Close us out with a poem from, from your book, man. Okay,
1: bet, bet. Thank you once again, Akeem, for having me on here. Um, I really do appreciate it and had a great time. Um, you guys could follow me at Allen Levi, like the genes, A-L-L-E-N-L-E-V-I, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, Alan Levi Simmons on Instagram or allenlevisimmons.com. And you'll find everything you need about me there. And then I'll go off with this. Oh, oh yeah! I'm the the host of the Purpose Pod. We're Purpose Pod, yeah, we're
0: gonna plug that in, in. March.
1: Yeah, I gotta plug that in, starting back in March, the Purpose Pod. So check that out YouTube. Um, Akeem, i I looked at your stuff, man. I'm like, I gotta sit down and like talk to you about like how you do everything. Like it's so the the visuals, it looks great. Appreciate. It's, we'll you. talk about that. We'll talk about. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about absolutely, that. Yeah, absolutely. Just wanted, <laughs> yeah, just want to let everybody know that you do great things. All right, so
0: you,
1: I'll, I'll do a poem. I'll do this one. Uh, To send us off. Don't let failure imprison your mind, bring scoliosis to your spine and leave you bent. You were born to be great, set aside to be great. Your every breath is more precious than diamonds and pearls. Step out from this world and take a leap into your destiny. Look into the mirror and see what others cannot. You are royalty. Your loyalty should be shown by how much you have grown. Seeds of failure and success have both been sown, but please don't step down from your throne. Keep marching, keep moving, you are almost home. Did anyone hear your story and said your story had no meaning? Did anyone hear your dreams and instructed you to stop dreaming? If so, let them go. Let them watch God take you from the valley into your promised land. Take my hand as I remove you from this quicksand, fly with me, gather your feathers, lift up your head and aim to the stars with me, stretch and reach the heights with me. Unbreakable people will be tested by pressures that measure their durability. Do you believe in your ability? Do you believe in God's ability? You are unbreakable.
0: Couldn't think of any other better way to close it out, man.